Shalom, I am Alan. And I am Leontine. Alan and I are professional tour guides, friends, and immigrants to Israel. In this podcast, we talk about everything Israel and our life here. I moved to Israel, fulfilling a lifelong dream after 30 years as a trial lawyer in Memphis, Tennessee. And I have a lot to say about my homeland. And I was born in Holland, then lived and worked as a licensed tour guide in France and ended my journey living and working in Israel. Yalla, let's go! Boker Tov, Leontine. Good morning, Alan. And Shavua Tov. Good week to you. Oh, it's another day in paradise. Yes. It's good to be here. Always good to be in Israel. Yeah, and more particularly to be in the bar of the Brown Hotel. So how was your week? My week was great. I had this very, very, very handsome uh, client this week. Very good looking, young, muscles. Lots of hair. Remember, Shlomo <laughs> is listening to this podcast, I'm sure. I know. he's. He, I, I already told him. Beautiful guy. Very nice. Now, um, his thing is to travel all around the world and to make selfies. And <laughs> so, um, th- so this was the purpose of his visit to Jerusalem. So it was a very so, nice change so he for knows, me. So he knows how handsome he is. Yes, but he can know because he is handsome. I mean, it's... Why fool yourself, I guess? Um, so we went all over Jerusalem, and the purpose was to find the best places and the best um, angle to make his selfies. So, uh, and he would sometimes ask me to make the pictures, um, and then you know it would take us a long time because I would make. 10 pictures and then he would look at them and then he would say no and blah, blah. so that was our it took us a day we went all over jerusalem um from uh, mount of olives down to the old city where we visited everything plus mount zion it was n- nothing about history it was about looking for the right place to make a selfie so how about that <laughs> <laughs> so it was a nice so you change spent for the whole me. day yep. uh, doing a model uh, shoot Exactly, yeah. exactly. And uh, he didn't tell me when he booked the tour, so uh, it was a surprise for me. Uh, so I, I didn't speak a lot. I was really like looking around. And now I know all the all the, the good places to make pictures, you know, the, where the, st- the color of the stone looks good with the skin and everything. It was very interesting. And a very nice guy on top of it. Well, good. You should ask him for the picture, or at least one or two of the pictures, so we can post it with our uh, Ah, yes, yes, I will. I will. Website. I will. I will try. I mean, uh, he, he was a bit, um, uh, how can I say? Because I, I'm not sure. I don't know. Well, I'll try. I'll try. I'll try. And how, how was your week? Uh, thank you for asking. <laughs> yeah. uh, it's always a good week, um, particularly this time of the year. The weather's changing a little bit. Um, but, you know, I always say that Diane, uh, she she eats to live, okay? She's very conscious of her health, and she believes that the way to good health is through diet. Um, and I, of course, um, live uh, to eat. I'm not so conscientious of what I put in my mouth, but this week we had a, a, an excellent meal, a vegetarian meal, uh, because Diane is uh, vegetarian, although she says she's, uh, she's a vegetarian that eats fish uh, and sometimes liver when her, when her iron yeah, is, she told is me. depleted. But, yeah. 
But this week we had a, a delightful meal together at a new restaurant, new vegetarian restaurant uh, called Semach. Have you been to Semach? No, but I think I heard of it. Where is it? Oh, it's incredible. It's, it's actually in uh, Shuk Machane Yehuda. It's right next door to the restaurant called Machne Yehuda. Yeah. And it's uh, owned by the, uh, the people that created the, the very famous Machne Yehuda here in Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. And it's every bit as good, only vegetarian. And it was, oh my God, the, 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 the presentation uh, is incredible and the food uh, is delightful. We had this, this uh, chocolate uh, drink uh, before the meal. And if, if you go... I recommend that you get the taster's uh, menu. It, it was just, uh, it was incredible. Okay. I enjoyed the meal. And you have chocolates before you start? No, it was a cocktail. Ah, okay. Uh, which I don't usually uh, drink cocktails. Mm-hmm. You know, we always drink wine. That's part of her uh, eat to live, that we have a glass of wine uh, every day. Ah, I agree with her. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Of course you would. <laughs> Having lived in uh, Paris for, or in France for Over 20 years? Yeah. One glass of wine with my dinner is a must. So, okay. Tzemach or Tzemach? Tzemach. Tzemach. Okay. Tzemach. Okay. I recommend it. Um, So today, um, our topic, our main topic of the week is salvage excavations. Okay. Don't worry, listeners. You may not know what that means yet, but by the end of this podcast, you'll understand uh, salvage excavations. Um, In Israel, there's a saying that if you kick dirt, if you just kick the dirt, you're going to find something old. Uh, and that is the case, particularly with construction. And we have lots of, always lots of construction going on. In fact, so much construction that some people believe that the cranes are the national uh, bird. But the law in Israel, because of so much antiquity here, thousands and thousands of years of antiquity, that when you are developing land, uh, for any projects, be it a highway or, or a train, railroad, uh, neighborhoods, um, anything that you're building, you're the developer. If you start the project and you discover something which you're definitely going to find, you have to stop the project uh, at your own expense and bring in the Antiquities Authority to do what is called a salvage excavation, in ca- which case they come in, they excavate, They bag, tag, photograph the finds, determine if the project can go forward. Sometimes you build the project on top of the the finds. Sometimes you cover up the finds and move on with the project. So these are what we call salvage excavations, and sometimes they're referred to as rescue excavations. They're rescuing the antiquities. Um, But it's, uh, it's incredible because with so much construction always going on, and particularly we're kind of, it's kind of like, I don't know if you've noticed, even with uh, COVID, uh, the development all over the country is like on steroids. Israel's on fire. Yeah, they're building everywhere, absolutely. Yeah. And they're finding uh, incredible stuff that you and I, over the course of COVID, had, had the chance uh, to go with Ava and Shmuel to see every time we read about a new excavation, a salvage excavation, a rescue excavation, we, we would run to go see it before they cover it up. Right. And so this year we've had some incredible finds. Yeah. 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 So the, the one uh, that comes to mind, my mind right away is um, was in the old city, in the Armenian quarter. They were, uh, this winter, they were redoing um, a, um, 
uh, parking. I was walking by, I saw the works coming by, and then one day I saw, because when the, the archaeologists come and work somewhere, you always see these uh, shades above uh, where they're working, and suddenly I saw the shades, and I, I went inside, and then I saw a mosaic floor that they found. You know, it's uh, the parking that when you walk from the Jaffa Gate towards Zion Gate inside the old city, there at the very end where the, the street turns to the left, there is a big parking now, and uh, that is where it was. So I went inside, I saw this beautiful, beautiful mosaic, really beautiful, about, um, let's say, s seven by five meters or something. And uh, so I went to, to see it every time, and on one time there were archaeologists working there, and I asked them, and they said, well, this is actually a Byzantine period uh, Armenian church which I, I found very interesting because this is really the proof that the Armenians were in Jerusalem already from the, uh, the Byzantine period, is the, from the 4th century until the 7th century. So it means that they were there uh, among the first Christians, basically, in, uh, in Jerusalem, but also in their neighborhood where it is now. Now, uh, if you go there today, you cannot see anything. They covered it up with uh, black asphalt yeah I, I, you know you're telling me this and i'm looking at you with awe because i saw, I, I, I saw the project yeah. you know because it, it was a dump yeah that area was it was it was overgrown with grass and and dump you actually see it when you're walking at that uh what is that that's the southwest corner of the old city walls if you're walking on the ramparts and you look down at that corner you used to see garbage and uh overgrowth uh and then i saw them when they did the improvements on the road, they also uh, improved uh, and put in a parking lot there. So I saw the project, I saw them cover it up, and I see how beautiful now they have a asphalt parking lot. Well, beautiful, it's not beautiful, but it's, a, it's, ah, a but clean, it's, it's clean. Uh, look, they also yeah. need the parking for, yeah. for people that live inside the old city. But, exactly. But I had no idea that yeah. they, they found anything. Yeah, there. yeah, yeah. So that is, and the other thing is that more recently, they, you know, they're building an elevator, um, going from the western wall up to halfway the stairs because the climb when you're in the Jewish quarter and you walk down or you walk up in, in the area where they used to have the menorah they call it the exactly. menorah square yes yeah. so there they're now building an elevator so it's a bit easier to go up and down and uh, they found at the bottom they found a mikveh a ritual bath in very very good shape with the ceiling still in place so it's apparently in very good shape but I'm pretty sure that they're not going to move the project of the elevator. So my guess is that it, there, it's going to be a, um, uh, a documented, and then they'll probably cover it up and just continue building the elevator. That's yeah, my guess. I mean, I mean, I, I'm not surprised that in that location, because it's very close to the right. Temple Mount, that yeah. they would find a mikveh, yeah. because the ritual baths were a requirement before you ascended to the to the Temple Mount. Exactly, and they found about 50 already, so they, they find uh, one more. It's not, it's not uh, amazing. I mean, it's... It's kind of uh, normal. Yeah. I agree. So, and, th and that whole Jewish quarter, the area of the Jewish quarter, all the houses, that, the new houses that were built since 1967 after the Six Day War, are all built on top of a lot of old stuff that they found when exactly. they were rebuilding the Jewish yeah. quarter. Yeah. So, is there something just, that comes to your mind? It just never ends. It never ends. And so, look, I, I looked up because I wanted to see a lot of the a lot of the things that we've seen were in the last couple of years, um, but so I wanted to see what they found. Uh, this year, so just this year in in uh, in salvage excavations, um, well, the, the the top thing that that I that we did see, I don't think you were with us. I think uh, we went. You Yavne, were probably, you're talking Yavne. about Yavne. No, I didn't go. Yeah, y Yavne yeah. is 
Uh, Yavne is incredible. We talked about Yavne in one of our previous podcasts because it was where the center of rabbinic Judaism relocates after the destruction of the, of the temple in the year 70. Every, everything relocates to Yavne. So we read about uh, Karim B'Yavne and the yeshiva in Yavne and the, and the, the great rabbis uh, that were in Yavne. But recently when they were doing a uh, development of a new neighborhood, uh, in the modern city of Yavna, at the foot of Tel Yavna, they discovered an incredible wine, Byzantine period wine industry of a particular kind of wine called, um, I think it was, it was Gaza wine. Um, and I mean, when you go there, it's, it's the largest excavation <laughs> that you'll ever see anywhere. Uh, it's huge. And this industry is huge. This wine-producing industry was massive, uh, very industrial. The other thing they keep finding, because they, as they keep digging this wine industry, they keep now finding uh, parts of the ancient uh, uh, Jewish city of, of Yavna. So that's one thing they found. The other thing, um, uh, and it's, it's um, uh, they found the classic... The classic salvage excavation, which shows you how sometimes uh, complicated it is for the developer, is Tel Beit Shemesh. Um, when you're driving on New Road, uh, which is the north-south road, uh, they expanded Road 38, um, which drives right past modern-day uh, Beit Shemesh. And, of course, we always knew about the Tel on the right side of the road, which is Tel Beit Shemesh. Uh, what they didn't know is that when they're building this road, that, there was, that the city was much larger than they expected, and they found uh, the remains of ancient Tel Beit Shemesh, and they had to stop this project. So now you, when you're driving around Highway 38, um, this six-lane highway, beautiful kind of a super highway, all of a sudden it just stops and goes down the, the two old road, two-lane road, and you look off to the left, and you see this excavation that they brought in archaeologists from all over the world, hundreds of archaeologists to dig, and they did so for less than a year. And it's a, you know, they, they, they excavated in a year, which usually takes years, multiple years to do, and they found a synagogue from the Second Temple period. Really? I didn't know. Which is which is uh, special because we only have eight or nine of them uh, that have been discovered in the land of Israel. One that's at Masada and one is at the city of David. Mm -hmm. uh, but now they have a new one that they've discovered in this salvage excavation. They still haven't completed the highway. They haven't decided whether they're going to build an overpass over or go under or just bypass it. And so that shows you the complication if you're the developer and it's now held up, or in this case the government, this multi-million dollar project highway project has been held up now for a few years right right so that's the only i because often when a tourist will ask me like uh, how come uh, they cover it up because uh, you know but the problem is you you don't want israel to be a country only with uh, ruins to look at you want you need to live there and you need to drive and you need to take a train and so on so you 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 um, archaeologists have to make choices and the governments and the state have to make choices i get you know it's understandable you cannot have a, a one big museum and then where do we live and how do we make our money so we have to uh, cover it up i guess but in bad Shemes they haven't made up their minds then uh, they yet have not, no. they have not. But, no but you're, but you're right because if you I have lots, when I'm guiding and I'm showing a salvage excavation, I'm talking about, they go, 
Hold on a second. They're, they're building over it? Yeah. Why are they covering over that? That's antiquity. That's, that's history. Well, you know, you, you, we still live here. You still, uh, we're a country of 9 million people right now, and they're expecting that uh, in 20 years we're going to be 25 million. You have to have, uh, have places to live. You can't stop uh, growth and development. You just hope that we're doing it uh, wisely and in a good fashion where we're preserving the old while building the new. Yeah, yeah. And, and one last thing is that I do know also that archaeologists, they also often make the choice to cover up and to leave it as it is and to leave further um, excavations for future archaeologists that will work with new techniques that don't exist today. So they also do it on purpose. So they leave things for the, the future, you know? So that's also um, a way to, to be able to continue and then knowing that's what is there and then future generations might go back and with their new techniques will find even more and, and do it even better. So. And two other uh, recent excavations that, I, that really I just saw published within the last two months. One was they found what they believe to be the oldest mosque in the world when they were uh, developing a neighborhood in a uh, Bedouin city of Rahat. You know Rahat in the Negev? Yes. It's where SodaStream relocated and built their factory. Well, there, while they were building a neighborhood, they discovered some antiquities. Uh, with a mosque dating back to the Byzantine period. You know, uh, Islam uh, as a religion was developed in 622. So right on the tail end of the Byzantine Empire to find this, this, uh, this mosque uh, was a quite an incredible uh, find. Did you, did you read about yes, that Yes, of course. Yes, yes, yes. No, that was a really important find. And uh, again, is it going to be, are they going to, to cover it up later or are they going to... Uh, We'll be able to see it. Look, I think, uh, is in, and I think they do this evaluation. I, they, I, I didn't read anything that tells what they're going to do with it yet, but, but when you find something like that that is so special, and particularly because it's not necessarily large, um, they can probably build around it. Yeah. Put like a park right exactly. in the middle of the, with the, the glass. development. Yeah, or yeah. even sometimes what they do is they put a glass floor so you can see uh, what is underneath and can still walk on top of it. So maybe they're, they're going to do that. We'll see. The other thing I saw a few weeks ago, and we've talked about the Pools of Solomon and the aqueducts coming from the Pools of Solomon near Bethlehem to Jerusalem, to the Temple Mount in the Hasmonean period. Uh, they found um, a new segment of the aqueduct in the neighborhood of Armona Natsiv. Yeah. Uh, and I actually, when I read about it, I rushed, I rushed to go see it. Uh, and it's, it's quite impressive to be able to see the whole, you know, you can actually see uh, it well-developed aqueduct. Okay, okay, very yeah. nice. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, the, of that aqueduct, there are lots of pieces that you can see because it was so long, kilometers or kilometer miles, you would say, miles and miles and miles long. So there are many pieces that you can still see uh, in parks and along the streets and under glass uh, floors and so on. Yeah. So, okay, so the question um, of the week um, comes from um, a person that wants to know uh, whether New Year's Eve is celebrated in Israel. Ah, the 31st of December? The 31st of December, not uh, the, the Jewish yeah. New Year, but the, the, the New Year that's celebrated uh, around the world. Ah, it's a good question. So, um, 
I one of the advantages for me <laughs> when I moved here is that I don't have to celebrate it anymore because this is um, I'm a kind of person that's at ten thirty I I'm falling asleep um, and I find it very difficult to stay uh, awake and happy and have a party until midnight and even longer so I for me it was always a bit of a struggle in Europe because in Europe it's it's really big you have a big party and in Holland you have fireworks well not anymore actually because there were too many accidents but you had fireworks and they were eating uh, olibola which is um, eating what olibola which is olibola it's bowls in I've heard oil of, I've heard of huli bully olibola Bowls in o- in oil, so it's uh, do- uh, like donuts, like uh, what you eat for um, for uh, Hanukkah. The, that's like the kind. Sufganiyot. Yeah, Sufganiyot. So, so we have them in Holland for uh, New Year's Eve. And um, when I was young, I would eat then and go partying and so on. But o- over the years, uh, I kind of have difficulty staying awake so long. So th- one of the advantages of moving here is that nobody invited us for a New Year's Eve party anymore <laughs> because at least uh, among our friends I don't think anybody is really celebrating but I do know that in Tel Aviv younger people do celebrate so that is my answer if you want if you're here on the 31st of December and you want to have a party stay uh, for at least that night in Tel Aviv and then you'll have parties all over what do you yeah, think uh, so yeah so you know I- the the Israeli calendar actually follows the Jewish calendar. Yeah, I mean, for, uh, for, for our economy, we do follow the, the Gregorian calendar, but generally our holidays and our, the calendar of Israel is the Jewish calendar. So our new year is Rosh Hashanah, which is coming up soon. Um, uh, and so the, the, the New Year's uh, on December 31st, New Year's Eve, is not a holiday, national holiday in Israel. People have to go to work. Uh, the next day, so it's not a celebrated holiday. Uh, and here, if you say New Year's, not everybody's going to really know what you're talking about uh, because they actually call it Sylvester. Uh, isn't that what? And in Europe, I think uh, New Year's is called oftentimes Sylvester. Yeah, in France, yes. In Holland, no. Well, when I first moved to Israel, it's a saint, uh, I would say to people yeah. New Year's and they wouldn't know what I'm talking yeah. about. They would say, oh, you mean Sylvester? Yeah, Sylvester which is was a saint. A saint. Yeah, yeah it was Sylvester was Pope Sylvester who died on December 31st in the year 335. Mm, you did your homework. I did, I did. <laughs> Aren't you impressed? Yeah, I am. But like, like Leontine says, uh, it's becoming more common to celebrate here, particularly in Tel Aviv, because Tel Avivians, uh, you know, will have any... Any excuse to have a party, um, it's great. So Christmas and, and Valentine's Day and St. Patrick's Day, uh, it's, it's become more commercialized and a, and a good reason to go out and have happy hour. Um, so uh, we don't celebrate, but more and more you're seeing, if you go out in the streets of Tel Aviv, even in Jerusalem, I've noticed that the restaurants will have balloons and things uh, on New Year's Eve. But it's not, it's not the same as uh, elsewhere in the world. True, very true. So this is it for the week, guys. Uh, we did it again, Alan. Speak to you next week. Bye. Thank you for listening to Yala Israel. Send your questions by email at yalaisraelpodcast at gmail.com or on Instagram at yalaisraelpodcast. This podcast was made possible with the help of Leah Kramer, our editor, 
Elliot Musses, our musician, and Shai Aloni, our cover art designer. <laughs>